Greetings and welcome to a special edition of the Big D Podcast. Before I announce today's special guest, uh, please subscribe, like, share, and comment on the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page where you can not only see my guests this evening, but see my Super Bowl prediction. And tomorrow, we've got a betting expert from the UK to decide on Premier League football and the Super Bowl. Some people may not know this day, but uh, all special guests definitely knows what today is. It's Happy National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And uh, it's a fitting that uh, one of America's best middle distance runners is on the uh, podcast tonight, Kim Conley. Kim, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Kim is a two-time U.S. Olympian, representative of the Stolos and Stripes in the 2012 London Olympics and 2016 Rio Olympics in the 5,000 meters. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, okay, so, so uh, Kim, my first question is, when did you first get? When did you get your first pair of running shoes? Oh wow! Um, well, p- probably before my first track season, um, which was in 1998. I was in sixth grade, um, and I joined the Santa Rosa Express Track Club. So, uh, what what's the earliest running memory you could think of? Um, in fourth grade, we started running the mile in PE, um, and there was only one boy in my class that could beat me. Um, so he became my crush and, and eventually my first boyfriend. <laughs> and so was there like a, so was there a, maybe not a rivalry, but like a friendly rivalry, a friendly rivalry where you like, I want to, I want to win get that competitive side early you know the the rivalry was more with the boy that was the second fastest boy in the class that i could beat um he really didn't like that and um he even had his mom uh call my mom to let me know that he had poison oak the day that i beat him um and that was why he lost uh somebody's somebody's put in the ex, the uh, excuse yep <laughs> what led you to try running um you know really i i played a different sport every season um soccer in the fall and winter in the basketball in in the spring it was softball but i got a little bit bored with softball i didn't i felt like i didn't get to run around enough um, so my, when my mom heard about a, a local track team for kids, um, we decided to, to quit softball and join the track team instead. Yeah, one thing, one thing that I definitely didn't get to enjoy was uh, competing in multiple sports. I mean, uh, competing in multiple sports can bring out the best people because you can try all kinds of different sports, whether it be running, basketball, football, soccer, swimming. Yeah. So did you have any uh, running role models as a kid? I did, yeah. Um, My freshman year of high school, 
Sarah Bay, now Sarah Hall, she was a senior on my high school team. Um, and so I really looked up to her and she taught me a lot about um, dedication, committed lifestyle and, and the idea of setting goals um, and then working every day towards achieving them. Perfect coincidence because now we're talking about your first state cross country championship for Montgomery High School in California. How nervous were you for that meet? <laughs> um, I think like, I was I was definitely nervous, but it was more rooted in excitement um, and adrenaline. You know, when you're when you're a freshman in high school, you can be pretty naive. I certainly was, and so. Um, you know, Sarah had set the tone back in August and said she believed that we were a team that could win the state meet. Um, and, and the team hadn't actually even made it to the state meet the year before. So, you know, now I can appreciate what a lofty goal that was. But as a 14 year old, I was just like, well, if Sarah says that's what we're going to do, then that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we had a great season and, um, and it, it all came together. I think six out of seven girls ran their fastest cross country 5Ks of the season in the state meet. Um, and so we, we all really rose to the occasion um, to get it done. So um, it, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. But for, for me as the 14 year old, I just was kind of like going for the ride. Um, and, and I did what I thought we were supposed to do. You know, Sarah being, was Sarah senior on that team? Yeah. And Sarah being a senior on that team was almost being the inspirational leader, captain, must have sparked you almost to perform. Yeah, she did give us a very inspiring speech beforehand. I don't really remember the details of it, um, but I do have a journal entry from after the race where I just I said in the journal entry that after Sarah gave her speech, then like I was willing to just let it go, leave it all out on the course. And I just felt really, really motivated. And so now, and so now you're in college at UC Davis and uh, you made UC Davis into a power into a big time running program, correct? Uh, we, we transitioned from division two to division one um, and and yeah, we like, we definitely, I, I continued to improve every year that I was there and, and the program was, was growing up right alongside me. Um, and then even after I graduated, I stayed on and continued to coach in the program. And so um, I really enjoyed getting to continue working with athletes and, and help the program continue to evolve. So uh, you, in 2008, you, you made the NCAA a, out to the out of 2008 outdoor track and field championships could you tell us about that experience um i didn't make it outdoors on the track i i made it in cross country in cross country sorry yeah yeah um yeah so that was really exciting to to qualify because getting to nc2a's was just a huge goal i had i, I really really wanted to end um my college career well i really wanted to end as an all-american um, but getting to the cross country nationals was the first important step. Um, and so that was like, that was a big feather in my cap. Um, but then I finished 80th um, and I needed to be in the top 40 to be all American. So, you know, I was still a little bit disappointed at the end of the season. Hey, the fact you were, the fact you were even <laughs> with a chance at, 
at an All-American and you're in cross-country, it's been a feather in your cap, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's the best bit of coaching advice you receive? Um, one thing one of my coaches used to say to me before races when I was getting nervous was trust your fitness. Um, and, and I always really liked that and leaned on it a lot because, um, I, I did, I worked really hard in practice. Um, and so, you know, I could see improvements that I was making there. And so then when, when the race came, I knew that I just had to, to trust all the work I had done and let that show. Being in Arizona, you used some thin mountain air, used to cold, cold winters and hot summers. Are there any advantages to training in Arizona's mountains compared to potentially a warm human environment like Rio, potentially uh, an Olympics in Tokyo, potentially? Well, I mean, there's certainly some science to back up training at altitude. Um, Although like I also believe in in descending to lower elevations to rehearse, like you're saying, some more similar conditions to where you're racing. Um, but I, I think the biggest advantage is is just that there are just so many beautiful places to run here. Um, I, I never ever get bored. I love um, getting out the door to explore new roads and trails. Um, so I'm just really, you know, it just like, this is a place where um, like all the like, the goals and, and the hard training aside, I, I just feel so motivated every day to, to get outside um, and, and enjoy running. So, so uh, now you're now the 2012 Olympic trials around and uh, you, you won the final. So technically you can make the team, but you don't have the Olympic A standards. So uh, how are you feeling going into that race knowing you could make the team but need to A, finish in the top three, and B, get that A Olympic stand. Yeah. Well, so when I graduated from UC Davis in 2009, um, I really just wanted to make it to the Olympic trials. That in and of itself was a pretty lofty goal. My PR back then was a minute slower than the Olympic standard. So I wasn't dreaming of being an Olympian. Um, I just wanted to go to the Olympic trials because I thought that would be a really cool accomplishment. And then I, I made so much progress over those three years leading into 2012 that um, by the time the Olympic trials rolled around, my PR was only five seconds slower than the Olympic standard. Um, and I'd started to be competitive with other women in the country that were going to be contending to make the Olympic team, at least on paper. And so even though I think, you know, nobody else in the world was looking at me as a contender, I, I knew in my heart that it was possible for me to PR by five seconds in that race. And I also knew that it was possible for me to contend for a top three finish. It just seemed really improbable that both of those things could happen um, in that same, you know, race and in the same moment. Um, but, but just because I believed that the possibility existed, then I, of course, I had to like give myself the shot. Um, so really like going into that race, what I remember is just feeling very happy, um, because, you know, the, the long-term goal had been simply to be there, but not only was I there, like I was there and I believed in my heart that I could contend to make the Olympic team, which was kind of crazy and, and thrilling. Um, so that's the attitude I brought into the race. And then I just executed the race plan that my coach and I had designed, which, um, meant a lot of leading because we wanted to keep the pace close enough to Olympic standard pace, even though it was a championship race. 
Um, and I didn't do the best job. Uh, I looked at the clock at 3000 meters and <laughs> the time seemed way too slow to get the Olympic standard. So uh, I definitely had like some moments of doubt there. And I thought like, well, the Olympic standard can't happen. There's no way I'm going to make the Olympic team now. And, and I started to slip back and um, I actually fell back as far as eighth place. And then I, um, I heard my coach yelling for me and I, I just I snapped out of my little funk um, because I just remembered like what a great journey we'd been on and that, you know, my, my attitude going into the race was just that I was happy to be there and, and appreciating the opportunity. Um, and so I decided to just try to get back into fifth place because I was just kind of like trailing behind a group of women and I realized I could pass them and be in fifth place and fifth place is way better than eighth place. <laughs> so um, I moved up to fifth place. And then when I moved up there, I saw that the woman in third place, Julia Lucas, um, she had made a really, really hard move with 1200 meters to go and she was starting to pay for it. And so I suddenly started to think like, wow, I, th I feel like I'm really gaining on her. I feel like I could actually move into third place. And I still thought the Olympics were out of the question because I thought we were running too slow for the Olympic standard. But um, I just decided I wanted to stand on the podium at the Olympic trials and still have like that honor. And so I like just like bared down with everything I had in me over the last 400 meters. Um, and then like throughout my life, just, you know, like I say, like running is fun for me. And, and I love just like getting out there and exploring and um, I had, you know, great high school memories and it's just always been like play. And so, and, and as part of that, um, I have done a lot of like, Hey, race you back to the car or like race you into the track. Like when you're on a run. And when I would do that with my teammates, we always like would lean at the line and break in invisible finish line tapes. Um, and so I think that just like instinctually that was in me just from rehearsing it in play over all the years. And so for whatever reason, as I was catching Julia in that last hundred meters, I just leaned at the line and then I ended up beating her by 0 0.04 seconds and getting under the Olympic standard by 0.21 seconds. So that lean not only got you a third place, but got you in a, the A Olympic standard, which meant uh, you on the plane to London. That's right. <laughs> So uh, how did it feel to make the uh, London Olympic team? It was so shocking, um, you know, because like I say, during the race, I had totally given up on getting the Olympic standard. Um, so when, when I first crossed the line, I just stood there staring at the Jumbotron because they were analyzing the photo finish. So it took a long time for the results to post. Um, and I just really expected to be like a few seconds slower than the Olympic standard, but in third place. And so... I just kind of stood there preparing myself to go into the mix zone and talk to the media and, you know, kind of like <laughs> compose myself for that like disappointing moment. Um, but then when the results popped up and the Olympic rings were next to my name, it was just the most shocking and, and thrilling moment of my life. And so now we're at the 2012 Olympics and uh, you're racing the uh, 5k prelim. Uh, what were your thoughts going into the London Olympic Stadium for your first race? It was, um, that, it was such a whirlwind. I, w I was just, I was really like riding so much adrenaline. I was in so much shock after making the Olympic team. Um, and, and I was nervous about people thinking that I was a fluke. And so I really, really wanted to make the final. 
Um, and, and so, um, I didn't, but I did, I did PR again by another five seconds. Um, and so, you know, I, I felt like I raced the best race I had in me. Um, and, and, and then kind of coming off the race, I really just felt motivated, um, because, you know, I, I'd signed a contract with New Balance. I was finally a professional runner. I'd made it to the Olympic stage and, and then four years stretched out before me. And I thought, wow, how much better could I be in four years trying, you know, to, to go to Rio. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I went into the Olympics just kind of like shocked and thrilled by the whole thing. And, and I left just feeling like very, very motivated. Yeah. A couple of questions about not just shoes, but, uh, have you, but uh, with uh, so many P, uh, doping and PD, PD issues coming from the London Olympics, uh, have you ever been in a race where you felt like you were at a disadvantage, whether doping or shoes? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, in, in 2012, I was so new and, and naive. Um, I didn't worry about it at all. I, I had no idea. Um, but, but certainly like, you know, as my eyes have been open since then, um, I've, I've ridden all kinds of waves over, over how I feel about it. You know, sometimes just feeling like so jaded and frustrating that <clears throat> I'm never going to make my way, like work my way into higher ranks on, on the world level. That's what it takes. Um, and, and, you know, that's not a road I would ever go down. Um, but, um, I kind of where I've landed is that I am trying to maximize my ability and get the most of my, out of myself. And there are often going to be times where I'm racing people that are doing things the wrong way. Um, but I just, I just have to run my own race. And, and if they're around me and dragging me to a faster time, then I accept that. Um, but I just, I can't, I can't worry about um, the moments where I can't even be competitive with people that are doing things that way. Yeah, it can be a little annoying knowing you're clean and, if, and all your children train programs are legitimate and other people using illegal substances or illegal shoes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it's, I've, I've definitely shed tears over it. <laughs> Speaking of shoes, uh, you've been with New Balance for many, many years. Uh, how did your relationship with New Balance start? I know, I know you referenced signing of New Balance after your Olympic trials performance. Yeah, so um, they were really the only company that saw my potential before the Olympic trials. Um, and so they had started sending me gear and the kit um, in 2012, that spring. And so that's why I was wearing New Balance at the Olympic trials. And then after I made the Olympic team, they offered me a contract right away and I signed it. Um, and, and we've had a great relationship ever since. Well, seemingly over the last decade or so, it seems like New Balance has really gotten a lot of top American runners. I mean, you think of Sydney McLaughlin, Emma Coburn, Ellie Perrier, Jenny Simpson. How much fun do you have watching your New Balance uh, teammates compete? A lot of fun. I love it. Um, and and the nice thing about it is it's um, it's pretty tight knit. Like we 
we do dinners um, at, you know, meets like the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix or at the U.S. Championships, um, at the Olympic Trials, they, New Balance rents out a house and that becomes like the hub for all New Balance athletes. Um, and so, yeah, having, having spent so many years um, as part of the company, I, I have just such a great relationship with so many people and, and they're so loyal to their athletes. And so, um, you know, it's like, Jenny Simpson has been with New Balance longer than I have. Uh, Brenda Martinez has been with New Balance longer than I have. Like, so, you know, we've all been friends for so long now. It's, it's a really um, nice environment. Yeah, seemingly it's, you're also doing, getting medals and competing at every international meet because it's seemingly Emma Colburn one twenty seventeen world's got a silver in Doha. Jenny's contention in every meet. I mean, Ellie Prairie has set set what the U.S. indoor mile record last year. Yep. And of course, Sydney McLaughlin won the Diamond League and finished second in the uh, women's four hundred meter hurdles. Yeah. In Doha. So now twenty fourteen, and uh, I bet you remember the. Uh, 2014, a U.S. 10K, right? <laughs> Where you famously beat Jordan, passed Jordan and say on the last, what was it, the last turn of, last turn of the lot of the race. Yes. Um, man, that was, that was one of my favorite races ever. It was in Sacramento where, <clears throat> so UC Davis is like, 15 miles from Sacramento and, and I had moved to Sacramento, um, at the end of college. So that's where I was based at that time. And, um, so it felt like a home meet. Um, I had tons of family and friends in the stand and I really felt that energy during the race. Um, and I did a lot of leading, uh, Jordan just sat on my heels for pretty much the entire race. Um, and I was just like, I just kept like winding and winding and winding and I was trying so hard to drop her and she, she wouldn't go, she hung on. And then with 200 meters to go, she made a huge move, you know, like she was clearly her race plan was to just sit on me and, and pounce with 200 meters to go. And so she made that huge move. Um, but I just remember like going into that turn, I just started, I was just telling myself over and over, no gaps, no gaps, no gaps. Like I was just not going to let her put a gap on me. And so then when we came off the final turn into that straightaway, um, I was able to move. She actually moved wide. And so I was able to keep lane one move down the inside of the track. I could just like cheering for her. That was my first night special. How exhausted did you feel at the end of that race? Oh, sorry. I think we've got some internet problems. How exhausted do you feel at the end of that race? Really exhausted. <laughs> it was, um, yeah. I mean, that, that race took a lot out of me. Um, yeah. And it's just, it was, uh, I didn't cool down. I was like so swept up 
in all the media and then you went straight to drug testing and I was really dehydrated so I couldn't pee forever um so it um it was a long night I don't think I got home till like 1 a.m um and then I was like you know trying to eat some dinner um but I was just I was riding a huge adrenaline wave and and it was hard to even get to sleep after that so now the 2016 Olympic trials come around and uh Unlike 2012, you had already achieved the Olympic aid qualifying standards. So what did the 2016 Olympic trials feel compared to 2012? Yeah, it was a different experience. Um, I I really had my heart set on making the team in the 10,000. I I think partly because I hadn't made the final at the London Olympics. I wanted to run the 10,000 because it's a straight final. There's no rounds. in the 10,000. So I really wanted to run the 10,000. But at the Olympic trials, I I was clipped from behind um, about three miles in and my shoe came off. So I sat down and I put it back on and I tried to catch up to the leaders. um, But I just like, I was working and working, but they like the gap wasn't closing. I wasn't able to, to catch back up to them. So at five miles, I dropped out. It was a really hard decision. Um, you know, that the stands at Hayward Field were packed. It wasn't like I could hear my coach, um, which it turned out he was did want me to drop out and save myself for the 5,000. Um, but I, I, I made that decision on my own, um, which is just never an easy decision to make. Um, and then I, I just had to regroup and I came back in the 5,000 and I was able to finish in third place again. Um, it was a lot less dramatic than in 2012. But, um, but it just, it felt like way more of a relief just after the whole saga of the 10,000. Um, I was just like, so happy and relieved to make the team in the 5,000 again. So, uh, now you're at the, and so, uh, was competing in Rio, in Rio's heat and humidity a challenge? It was not nearly as much of a challenge as we anticipated. Um, you know, that was like a big point of discussion before the Rio Olympics. And so I actually went down to Houston, Texas and and did my training there before flying to Rio so that I would acclimate. Um, And then we got to Rio and turns out that that's more like the winter season in in Rio um, in in August. And so um, I actually just felt, I remember feeling really cold because we'd been training in, you know, the heat of a, of a Houston summer <laughs> and then and then we got to like Rio which was like 70 degrees and kind of rainy um and I just remember like oh my gosh I feel I'm freezing <laughs> yeah now you're thinking I should have trained I should have trained in Switzerland or somewhere <laughs> yeah. <cooler. laughs> yeah so yeah because I remember I remember before the last world championships a bunch of them Americans training in uh, Switzerland, even though Doha was uh, steamy, hot, and hot and humid for yeah. most of the meet. Yep. So, uh, how was so? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> your second Olympic experience was uh, very similar, if not a mirror image to the first yeah. one. Yeah. So like, you know, like I said, um, I came off the London Olympics feeling really inspired for the next four years. Um, and I, and I wanted to get back to the Olympic stage and be a better athlete. And, and I made so much progress in those four years. I won that national title. I moved up 
to the half marathon and I won a national title in the half marathon. Um, I PR'd in everything from the 800 through the 10,000. Um, I just really felt like, you know, I was a, a, a way better athlete. Um, and then I had a bad race in the prelim at the Rio Olympics 5,000. And I ended up finishing in the exact same place <laughs> as in London in, in 2012. Um, and so I left, I left that Olympics feeling way more disappointed because, um, you know, I just, I felt like it didn't reflect all the progress I had made over those four years. Yeah. You're like, why couldn't I at least be 11th? Like, why, do, <laughs> why am I 12th at the, in my heat at the Olympus? Why couldn't I at least have been 11th? Yep. <laughs> So uh, in 2019, I know it wasn't an Olympic year, but you did get a, what was it, bronze medal at the uh, Pan American Games in Lima. Yeah, that was a fun experience. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed, you know, in, in South America that like they love the Pan Am Games. Um, so it felt like, you know, a really big deal down there. Um, and, and it's just, I just love championship racing. So, you know, to be in a situation where you're contending for medals, uh, that's just always so much fun, I think. Yeah. And whether it's the Pan Am Games, World Olympics, the fact you've got a bronze, a bronze medal of anything would be special. Um, obviously since the COVID pandemic, everybody has adjusted, we're training differently, working on at home. So how's the training change for you? Um, you know, last year, last spring, um, it, it felt very confusing and uncertain, just not knowing when races were going to emerge and, and having the Olympics postponed. Um, and so I was just kind of like, you know, I was in Flagstaff and, and I was just kind of like allowing myself to enjoy running, exploring new places. Um, but it definitely felt a little weird. And then in the summer, there were these like micro meets that started popping up um, for professional athletes. And, um, and so, you know, I, I raced some of those, they, they didn't go great. I wasn't like very well prepared for them. And so now that, that, but that experience now has helped me, um, kind of get back on track and, and be more purposeful in my approach, because I know that, um, I mean, and also right now the Olympics are on the schedule and, and therefore the Olympic trials are on the schedule. So I'm certainly every day I'm, I'm waking up and training as if those, those things will happen. Um, but even if they don't, even if they also go away, like I know that they're going to be race opportunities. Um, and so I feel like I'm much more on point now and, and, and ready to race. Uh, did you have any COVID protocols before these makeshift races? Yeah. Yeah. They, um, everybody has to have two negative tests the week of the race. And then um, you have to like fill out a, a questionnaire going in to make sure you're not showing any symptoms um, and they take your temperature at the gate. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I will, I will definitely uh, be grateful when the doctors don't have to take our temperatures entering any office. Yeah. So what's a normal mileage week for you? Uh, in the nineties, um, is, is very normal right now. Um, that's just that, that is the like threshold where I feel like I get really fit and I feel really good. Um, you know, I've, I've done less with like some supplemental cross training, but I don't feel like I'm as strong when I do it that way. And then I've done more 
Um, and I think I ended up leaving my races and my training a little bit when, when I kind of really go crazy with mileage. So I find that um, right around 90 is a sweet spot for me. You solely run or do you mix in a cross training section once in a while? Um, my preference is definitely to run. Um, but if I feel like I need to cross train, then I, I really like mountain biking, especially here in the mountains. Um, so, so I'll do that. And then twice a week, I, I also do strength training. Well, uh, Kim, uh, it seems like Arizona is the home for many of runners. I mean, Albie won the Olympic trial marathon last year. Steph and Kellen all performed well. And, uh, your uh, high school teammate, Sarah Hall, has uh, been finishing second in London and winning and coming within a few seconds of uh, breaking Dina Castor's American record in the uh, marathon project. Yep. Yeah, it's um, this, yeah, we, ha we have a great running community here. And, you know, and like I said, there's just such an abundant um, network of options where you can train. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's, and also the ability to uh, descend during the winter. Like we had a huge snowstorm last week, but I went to Phoenix <laughs> and I escaped it. And, and so, you know, I, I feel like even in inclement weather, you can find um, good options for running. And so it just makes it a really nice place to train year round. And what's the coldest weather you've trained in? <laughs> um, I, I mean, probably, I, I've definitely seen it like one degree, um, but I don't like it that <laughs> cold. Uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty chilly in my neck of the woods. It it's in the 50s, and we're supposed to get a low high up of 30s, low 40s, which for Florida is chilly. That is chilly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of Sarah Hall, do you see her competing in big track meets and marathons going forward? Um, yeah, she has said that she wants to try to make the Olympic team and the 10K. Um, so I think she is uh, looking at getting, you know, back on the track and, and making that her focus. Um, and then, I mean, she's just so hot in the marathon though, right now, like certainly is once, well, she, out of, out of all the professional runners, she's done a, a remarkable job of finding races throughout the entire pandemic. But I think certainly when regular races come back and like the major marathons come back in, in their kind of like normal glory, um, yeah, she'll be, she'll certainly be headlining some of those. I think Sarah's running a half marathon in some, uh, somewhere, either Abu Dhabi or some weird place, sometime, maybe in this month, right? Oh, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> it wouldn't I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I thought you would know. So if the Olympics and Olympic and Olympic, Olympic trials and Olympics happen this year, who do you think will be the uh, biggest American threats in the five or 10 K? Oh, wow. Um, the 10 K we still, I think we have to see who emerges, but you know, based on 2019, like Mariel Hall was looking really good. Um, and then, and it's like, who knows what Shelby's going to do? Um, you know, <laughs> okay. she, yeah, she, if she wants to run the 5K, she can. But um, but if she wants to run the 15, you know, obviously that's that's what she can do. And um, 
I've always kind of had the mindset of why wouldn't you do the shortest possible distance you can, you're good at. But, um, but yeah, who knows? I mean, Stephanie's done one. Stephanie's done what the 15 and five at so many us meets. Why can't you do both? Yeah, true. And so, uh, and then you've also got the uh, marathons. I mean, potentially a Sarah Hall, Molly Huddle, Emily Sisson, maybe a yeah. Steph Bruce could come down and run the 10 K. Yeah, 10K. exactly. And so yeah. what event would you run? Would you be five or 10, maybe do both? Yeah, probably both. Um, right now I only have the Olympic standard in the 5,000. So I want to try to get it in the 10,000. Um, and, and if I do that, then I would definitely run it at the Olympic trials. So when does your 21, 2021 track season begin? Um, this month, um, there, there, uh, I think there's a race at the end of February, um, that's coming together. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping hoping to get out there um, in February. Have you seen the, I know you, I know you watched the American Track League last week in a Fayetteville and saw the uh, mile race and actually seeing legitimate racing made me so excited and ready, ready and I'm sure it did you. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's so fun to watch racing. Um, and, and I think we're gonna get to watch more this weekend and the following weekend is New Balance Indoor Grand Prix. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. It's ex in general, it's exciting to have sports back, but obviously um, track is my favorite. Uh, do you think, uh, speaking of the Olympics, uh, do you think that America could challenge anybody in the uh, five or 10K? Because if you think of the international athletes, uh, Stefan Rassan has got to be at the top of anybody's list. I mean, winning the, 1510k in Doha is something I'm not sure anybody no has even seen, done, or even thought of doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, you know, the American women have are like been coming with a full head of steam for a number of years now, and it's been like creeping up in distance where we have success. Um, you know, so it, it used to be more of like sprint oriented. Um, and then you had like Brenda Martinez meddling in 2013 and Ajay Wilson has meddled in the 800. And then, um, and then our 1500 meter runners with Jenny, she also like became a medal contender. Um, and then it evolved to the steeple by 2016 and 17. And so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we continue with that forward progress. Um, you know, I think you look at, like we've talked about people like, like Kellen Taylor, for example, or, or Rachel Schneider. Um, you know, it's like women are putting up times in the 10,000 now, but it's like, I feel like every time there's a 10,000 that's run, it's like people are ending up on the all time US list in the 10,000. So. So certainly, like, the, the tide is rising in the distances. And I feel, and I also feel like seeing athletes like you, whether Shelby Houlihan, Jenny Simpson, Emma, Molly Huller compete, would just get more and more women thinking, you know what, it's not just the swimmers. Well, I mean, if you think back to in the last few years where Amer where on the men's side, yeah, Americans have done better in sprinter events. But on the women's side, you your girls have done way have done 
remarkable things and distance meets and I see that going forward. Yeah, me too. So uh, have you considered running a marathon? <laughs> I did. Uh, and wow, what was I thinking? No, I'm just kidding. Um, in, in 2016, I made my marathon debut in New York. Um, and it was so hard and so humbling. I ran 241, you know, hoping I would be under 230. Um, and it, it, I I went through half on that pace and it just was a really rotten second half and, and a really long one. Um, I will, I will get back to it. I, I thought, like my my plan was to to move to the marathon after 2020 and obviously that has now been like delayed um because you know I'm sticking with the track through you know to try to make the olympic team so it's probably you know whether it's next fall or next spring but I'll I'll be looking to to get back into longer road racing and and look, figure out the marathon but it's a challenge for sure yeah, someone who only does 5K races, I can tell you a marathon's not on my future plans. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think these big legs could run 26 miles, <laughs> maybe in a day, but not but not two and a half hours. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, eating some major habit for runners. Uh, what are your last your last meals? the night before you race and the morning you race? Um, spaghetti bolognese is my absolute, is my favorite meal in the world. Um, and so having it before the night before a race just makes me happy. Um, I also have it the night before my long runs. <laughs> okay, that, that way I have an excuse to have it at least once a week. Um, so that's what I have before the night before all my races. And then oatmeal is just my standard breakfast every morning. Um, it works for me and I love it. So I just, that's what I stick with. Yeah. When I interviewed a cross country coach down the road, he's told me how oatmeal with banana and oatmeal with banana can be. Yeah. Can a few runners before race. Yep. So uh, I can't, I can't believe this is over, Kim. It seems like, the, <laughs> I mean, the, I can't believe I just interviewed a U.S. Olympian. Well, it was really fun, and it was nice to talk to you. No, it was no, it was nice to talk to you, and I wish you all the best this year. And uh, can't wait to see you compete on the actual track, and hopefully, uh, you rep- Hopefully, uh, you'll be on that plane to Tokyo. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it.